Hey, welcome to the Art Condition Podcast, a weekly show that will discuss the business, community, and often undiscussed stress and mental health concerns of being a professional artist or even a serious hobbyist. I'm Joby. I've been in the tattoo and illustration professions for 25 years. My co-host is Moose, a data analyst, social media manager, and art agent. If you enjoy the content, please consider visiting the Patreon page and the show notes to help support the effort. Or if that's not an option, please like, subscribe, leave a good review, or just share with your friends. And definitely go visit the links of our guests on this episode. Thanks for listening and have a great day. This week, we talked to Daria Oxanova. Aside from being a highly skilled artist, Daria is also a highly skilled business person. She has the sharp mind of a researcher and is willing to work tirelessly to find the answers to problems that she confronts in her business. When you see Daria's art, you will get an idea of just how meticulous and detail-oriented she must be. You will also notice that the title of this week's episode ends with Round 1. Going into this interview, we quickly realized that we were not going to be able to get to everything we wanted to talk about, even in a two-hour show. So we have already planned to have Daria on again, at least one more time. In this episode, we focus mostly on marketing for artists. We start with a general overview of what to keep in mind when planning your marketing strategy, and then move in to how to find your target audience and how to get them to find you. From there, we talk a bit about how important it is to cultivate relationships rather than business connections. And from there, we glide through a series of free-flowing conversations about those topics. This episode is chock full of goodness, and we barely scratched the surface. So please keep your eyes open for round two, coming soon. In the meantime, here's our talk with Daria Oxenova. We got more than we bargained for. When we we knew that we knew that you were going to have a lot to say, um, and that's why we wanted you to to be on. Um, little did we know how much there would be in store. Uh, we're we've already preemptively like scheduled you for multiple visits. <laughs> you've you volunteered yourself for that, um, and we're already thinking in those terms. Um, there's enough here to talk about that we kind of wanted to just focus in on the marketing side of things uh, and kind of like drift through that. But before we get into the nitty gritty, please tell us about yourself for a little bit. Um, give us a little bit of your background, how you got into art and where you're at now. Um, thank you. Let's hope I remember push the talk. Um, so yeah, you get more than what you bargained for should be my warning label. Um, so I'm Daria Xenova. I create pen and ink on hand cut suspended layered uh, shadow boxes. So I illustrate each layer, I cut it out, it gets suspended to create depth and movement and then framed all together for a nice presentation. I show currently in about nine galleries. I've been doing art since 2016. Um, and entertaining enough that um, I got into art because I wanted to prove a point and out of spite <laughs> and learn to love it over the course of the years. And now it's beyond a passion. I have an incredible drive for it and I can't imagine doing anything else with my life. So That's one that I've never heard before. 
I got into art to prove a point out of spite. But can we just talk about that real quick? What what was the what was the the bet that you were trying to win? Uh, so it's a little bit longer story, and I do have an NDA because we did get into a lawsuit afterwards. But oh um, wow, this so this is deep. Yeah, it's my former business partner, and um, okay. she was very opinionated about that. You cannot be an artist unless you have a proper degree, and um, she let me know that over and over until we had a big falling out. And I decided to continue and finish all the commitments that were made after she just decided to leave. And um, basically at that point, my rage turned into spite and I decided to, I'm going to prove a point and I'm going to get every single job that she has ever mentioned. Uh, that she wanted to have because she basically you know shot me in the foot financially and emotionally so <laughs> long was dark story was, was, <laughs> that's my was, villain origin story <laughs> yeah man okay well uh, there's a bunch of questions that i want to ask that i'm not going to um uh, <laughs> but Still me too. If I can answer them, I will. So I'm that'll be that'll be a whole other episode in itself, maybe. Uh, skirt dancing around your NDA and trying to get more information there. Um, but so in the course of that time, um, you've learned an incredible amount about business and marketing, um, and like you know, learning how to not just get eyes on the products that you're making, but getting the right eyes. Uh, on, on what you're making and um, there's so much information that you've shared with us briefly in the past and now we know like how deep the layers can go um, but like we said there's so much to talk about we kind of have to focus in on on one thing today and we want to start picking your brain on this whole idea of marketing very nebulous and abstract for a lot of people it's something that we've already had like a couple of episodes dedicated to already. Um, but it's one that definitely is worth going over again. Um, and we would love to hear your information on it. Um, just jumping like right into it. Marketing for artists, like what is like the big picture outline for marketing when it comes to artists trying to sell product um let me see if i can praise that correctly um let me go piece by piece um with the fe the feeling of nebulosity towards marketing i used to have that too um and it's pretty terrifying so i understand that and i am trying to approach today from uh the point of perspective that um i have had when i was starting uh, versus what I have learned and how it has fallen away. So um, there's absolutely nothing to be afraid of. Um, as long as you at least semi-okay with math, you will be perfectly fine with marketing. Um, it's all about creating a contextual setting for your work that you abide by. So it's not much different than... Um, doing world building you're just doing world building for your brand 
or your artwork or whatever it is. Um, and of course, throughout the times that I have, <clears throat> I have learned all that, I've made the, all the typical mistakes and only learned from my mistakes and had multiple people try to teach me otherwise. Um, you know, the typical pitfall from artists like, I will be more hireable if I do every single style. Um, it's the complete opposite of what you actually needed to do to be presentable. So just like you dress yourself every day, you're basically dressing up your online presence and your physical presence. Make sense? I'm trying to stay concise without going too technical. No, it's, it's great. It's great. Um, where do we start? How do I, how, if I know the word marketing and I have like a general idea that maybe it has something to do with business, <laughs> where am I going to start? What's the first thing that I should be doing? Um, so first of all, in a nutshell, I would advise you to think about your work. Let's say you're starting from the zero. You have no branding plan. You just know that you want to do all those grandiose things and you don't even know how to get to them. Everything is, you know, gigantic and you are absolutely tiny. Um, start by just sitting down and thinking about what can you do without being bored and hating yourself and or hating your work in the next five years. That's all you need to decide because that is what you should keep as your brand, especially if you have multiple styles. Now that doesn't actually mean that you need to stop doing all the other work you're doing if you have time for that. You just don't need to show it. And once you have your branding in place over time, you can also slowly morph to your other styles if you want it and or present all of it without any loss of customers, old customers and new acquisition. So you're talking about setting goals, right? Um, what would be some examples of, of marketing goals and how do I know what a reasonable goal is? How would I start identifying those pieces of information for myself? Um, so I would say the baseline first. Um, after you decide what you're doing, let's say, as an example, let's say we had an Instagram, right? And we posted really, really hard on it for a year or two, and we got no traction. We got maybe 300 followers. So, um, and now you finally have decided, okay, from now on, I'm using graphite. I have decided graphite is what I can stick with. Um, so now we actually can restart from scratch and or use our old platform. Um, but we probably will lose the 300 already acquired customers at that point. So what I did when I restarted, because I had a different art Instagram actually before I had mine, um, I created, created a new, completely new account and I started posting, I believe in April, 2016 maybe 2017, one of those years. Um, sorry, could you repeat the question? I lost track. <laughs> no, it's all right. Um, so you were talking about, you know, setting goals uh, and you and you mentioned setting a, a baseline. 
And I'm just kind of wondering, you know, what it would be an example of a marketing goal and what would be reasonable? Um, okay, now I remember, thank you. Um, so we set our baseline, let's say with those 300 followers, if we just continue on the old account. Um, and we would look, just Google the numbers that are um, statistically average for our sector, which is arts and entertainment. Um, you can go further down the niche. You could do fantasy art. If you want to go further, you can do specifically ink, or you can do specifically, I don't know, watercolor, um, acrylic, and oils. Uh, there's charts for all of that. Um, after that, I would decide people want to see everything. People want to see proof of your work so that you're actually working on something. So just start taking pictures and posting and... For people who don't create a lot of content, I am one of those um, because my pieces take two to, two weeks to six months to complete. Um, so as long as you are continuously delivering within the same amount of time, so let's say I'm deciding I'm posting every Wednesday from now on and I'm going to make sure that I publicly tell whatever few fans that I have, um, that I'm posting Wednesdays, I should stick with it. And over time, you should see the percentual growth that is at least average, if not larger. If you're not, you need to adjust your, um, your approach by going into hashtag research and so on and so forth. Um, there's multitudes of tools nowadays that can help you. And even so they're not perfect, I use a few of them interchangeably. Um, and while they're not perfect they're helpful enough that they save me enough time that i don't care so so instagram growth is the goal you're suggesting to start with um i would start with whatever platform is free and easy to start with especially if you're rural uh if we're talking online um also what actual social media do you understand best so i personally understand instagram I do not understand how to use Twitter. And I've been trying to learn how to use Twitter for about half a year now, and I still have not figured it out. Uh, TikTok is easy for me, um, but then YouTube is not. So it, there's no shame. You don't have to cover all of it, right? You, you're not in a large company. You don't need a large marketing, marketing team. Um, all you need to do is pick the one that is your strength. So don't think that just because everybody says, you're an artist, you need to have Instagram, that you need to have Instagram. You can have Twitter and be perfectly fine. Um, current conversion rate is highest on Instagram, though, still, um, after TikTok. So That's interesting. My experience had been that uh, nobody leaves Instagram. They are on that platform, and then they don't support you elsewhere unless you're some super, super niche uh, or super successful uh, creator who for whatever reason, able to able to get them to move to their Patreon or able to move them to their Kickstarter. But most of the time, they don't swipe up to look, click, click that link. And they, the only link that you actually are given is in the bio. That is correct. Um, but Instagram still has much higher visibility and conversion rate than Twitter and Facebook. Um, so I, I read your... 60 page right 60 page document on instagram and growth on instagram and i do not remember recall did you have a section on how often 
you were actually pushing for marketing. So you can't just expect, most people are not, I'm going to say as insane as I am. So if I see something and I like it, I will figure out where to get it. If I have to, you know, hire a courier to pick it up for me, I will get that item because I want it. Um, most people are not like that. They have an attention span of about three to 10 seconds. And if you didn't grab them, they're not going to do anything. Um, so for you to also get them to come off of Instagram, you need to do drip marketing. So you need to continuously advertise the same topic. So my Patreon does not grow unless I say I have a Patreon. I don't, people don't know I have prints unless I say, hey, prints are available now. And now for my following, because of how the algorithm works, it takes about 10 posts of the same, hey, I have prints for me to reach most of my following, right? So you have to continuously actually mention it. And um, there's a few artists that do an amazing job about it. Um, one of them is Lord Gris on Instagram. And um, she perfectly, she presents her products. She doesn't have a shop. Her shop opens up maybe once, twice a year, if that. She doesn't want to deal with it, but she has a Patreon. And after, under every post that she posts, she leaves a little caption that if you want my products, that's the only way to get them. Um, her Patreon is over two and a half thousand, I think, right now, people. So it's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> do, you, do you have a sense of how long that, just using her as a case study for the moment, do you have a sense of how long it took her to build that up? You know, you're talking about like a, like a constant repetition, repetition, repetition. Over how long are we talking about? Two to three years. So you, there's no... Sorry, no, go ahead, go ahead. Uh, there's no such thing as an overnight success ever for anything. Uh, whoever is trying to sell you otherwise or tell you like, you're going to grow thousands of people in a month, they're lying to you. They're absolutely lying to you. And um, no, anything that goes viral has been in the making at least 10, 20 years. Um, that's usually the rule. So, and I have observed because, you know, marketing is inherently stalkery. Um, I have observed other colleagues of mine and I have observed from when they started their Patreon, started their Kickstarters and they struggled and how they did it and what they decided to do and then how it changed and what they decided to change for it to start growing rapidly. And once that change is implemented and you continue the repetition, it goes actually fairly easily. And I'm personally actually really bad at the repetition myself um, because I'm ADHD and I just don't want to do it. <laughs> when it comes to instagram sorry when it comes to instagram or i mean i guess any social media platform for that matter um how do we do this repetition without burning out our followers on seeing this constant advertisement for our product or our patreon you gotta get creative um you gotta provide some sort of value so make sure that you concentrate. It's not about you. Uh, when I'm showing something that I'm doing, I'm not going, oh, look what I did, right? Look at me. Here's my art. Hi, I'm an artist. Here's art. Um, like most artists do. 
uh, best way is to somehow create content. So would um, try to create your perfect client. Um, in my document that I wrote up that I will at some point publish, um, I'm using Jane Doe as a, uh, as a reference. And now we're starting to imagine who is my perfect customer? Who is the person that's going to buy this? What do they do all day? What's their job? How old are they? What's their income status? What's their degree? What are their hobbies? What do they like? Which places do they go? And then you start from there because um, it is much easier to grow once you find your niche. Um, another good example of niche marketing would be Justin Donaldson. You guys had him on the podcast. So he went as far as he filled a niche of serenity and he has been pushing it and he pushes it with the twist of, you know, um, relax, relax your mind and let your eyes wander or something similar. And it's all about, you know, travel to beautiful places and bringing magical landscapes to you. And he was struggling as well until he switched his marketing tactic instead of going towards um, advertising like, hey, this is my art, I'm artist, to, um, hey, I have something that's going to bring peace to you, right? And he started marketing towards people who love to read books. He started marketing towards people who love traveling and so on and so forth. So, so we have a couple example people that I mentioned before the start of the stream. Uh, one would be Pink Epoxy, who makes, uh, if you can see right there, little cute, creepy, Tim Burton-esque, I guess, uh, creatures, and they don't really have a specific focus. And the other one is Art of Blake, who has been working on a world-building project called Omen Shard, which is loosely based on After Diablo 2. So these are two very different, well, I guess they're both horror-esque, but they're both different. Uh, like One's high fantasy, the other one is kind of cartoony. Like, what, Who are these people looking to find as their key customer? That sort of thing. So you should look, if you're trying to find a key customer, let's start with um, Blake. Uh, so Blake is doing world building and he, uh, his is, um, I looked over the side for a moment and he is doing um, world building that he bases on Diablo, but is not Diablo. And he's doing cartography and he's doing character illustration. Uh, so now we have to find a niche who would like to look at it. Well, presumably let's create a John Doe. Um, I would presume around the age 30, 35, because they would have had to be exposed to D&D as a child. Uh, they would have to have been more on the outskirts of fantasy. Um, uh, John Doe probably visits conventions. Um, that John Doe probably has an office job, right? That he doesn't particularly like, uh, but he has to stay with. So at that point, fact. we can... Huh? I said, I feel attacked. Sorry, Moose. <laughs> that means it's correct. <laughs> but so basically we go down, down the list and we try to go. I have one moment. Um, so we try to figure out 
um, they gender, age, location, marital status, chil children, if they have any, because that will affect what they buy because they would be buying for children. Also, they would have less, um, what is it? Expendable income. Yeah. Thank you, disposable. Um, the living situation. Um, if they're older, they probably have their own place. If they're younger, they probably are sharing a place with a roommate, right? So that will affect what they buy as well because they can decorate as well. So how do we convince them to decorate their little room? Or how do we convince them to, hey, this is an investment because you really love this work and you can hang it later once you have your own home. I actually have collectors that I talked about that before because they told me about another colleague, like, I absolutely love the work, but it's gigantic. And I'm like, just get it. And once you don't have a roommate anymore, it's your living room centerpiece. And till then, put it in the closet. You will be thankful down the road. And, uh, you know, we want to figure out their occupation, salary, education, uh, social ideology. Again, Justin is a great example. He would market people who love nature, who probably are into um, ecological um, sustainability, <clears throat> right? Um, their specific knowledge um, that usually goes with their occupation as well. So if you have someone who is an editorial writer, they're going to have different tastes, even if they have the same hobbies than somebody who is an IT person. Uh, so, and you continue down there too. So interests, habits, motivators, goals, and typical daily activities and what type of devices they use. Older people, more fluent people that are already stable will be using desktops. Um, on average, currently, the conversion from uh, um, acquisition of a new customer is higher on a desktop. So you are more likely to get off Instagram, to get off TikTok, to get off Twitter, what else is it, YouTube, and go to my shop. If you're seeing my advertisement on the desktop screen or laptop, um, the rate for mobile is growing, but it's slower. And of course, the companies know that, so it's actually cheaper to advertise on mobile, but it's harder to acquire. So, and I lost track of thought. <laughs> Apologies. It, it, no, you're doing, you're doing great. I, I mean, the answering the question is definitely there. This is a good moment for me to jump in, though, and, and ask um, some clarification questions. This is a lot of personal information uh, about a wide variety of people. So you know, you're sort of like you're leafing through a lot of different types of demographics, looking for specific types of people. How do you find that information? How would I go about unearthing some of the things that you were just talking about, as far as you know, their their job, their political ideologies, etc. So presumably you already have fans. Even if you're just starting out, you probably have friends who absolutely love your work and at least got a sticker from you. Or friend, uh, family friends, things like that. Or even the few very first fans. You could offer a type of offer to get to know them more if you wanted. So you could say, hey, would you mind asking this, you know, Five question, five, uh, five question questionnaire. Wow, that's a sentence. 
um, and offer them and you send them a postcard, right? A handwritten postcard, something very, very basic just to reward them for spending their time. But otherwise, if you talking to people locally, all that is required from you is to actually pay attention during small talk because people will talk about themselves. So whenever I have collectors visiting my studio space, right? They will talk about their children. They will talk about their wives or their husbands. Uh, they will talk about like, we've been looking for a new house uh, in this in this area, or, you know, my job is doing really well. I just got promoted on so-and-so. So you're acquiring this information just by memory, right? And by having small talk. And over time you can actually modify and build a better profile for your perfect customer. When you're first starting out, you can just imagine it if you want to. Just imagine it. Probably because you're local, the easiest way for you to get noticed would be locally because you already know the ideologists. You already know your neighborhood. You know all that. You're part of it. You're participating in it. So, you know, let's say, as I did an example in my document, um, our Jane Doe is, you know, young, 25. She lives in the same neighborhood as me. Um, She's a fresh professional. She got her first, very first apartment. So she probably doesn't have furniture. Um, she doesn't have enough decoration, but she, she desires a certain aesthetic to decorate her home with. She is into fantasy because we are 25, 30, 35 range age. Uh, she probably came across manga and anime, uh, in comic books, which means she has visited a convention. <clears throat> she also probably goes to game cafes and libraries and or small bookstores because um, that is what is currently trendy. I'm just going to use the word trendy. Um, so now I can start from there and be like, okay, so how do I get in front of my Jane Doe with my work? Because she doesn't know I exist. She couldn't care less I exist because she knows she wants something, but nobody has shown it to her. So I would go to the same library, bookstore, coffee shop, little like art shops, whatever you can think of where she could possibly stop by throughout her day. And I will start participating in my community there. And I will start talking to the owners and I will ask them to leave free to take promotional materials. And they don't have to be like, here, look, my business card, my name is giant on it. Um, it can be a postcard with your at, right? Like your Instagram at, or it can be a little business card that has your website address on it and so on and so forth. And we can go further if I already have a web store, right? And we are selling prints and we are selling stickers um, or original art. <clears throat> we could ask those same local businesses to hang out work. Um, so you basically give them your work on loan and you get to advertise with your name or whatever. Some people even allow you to put price down. Um, so, and that's how we strategically just start going from point A to point B, right? From being small fish to getting to a more mid established level. Um, as an example, when I first started that very first year where I was very pissed off, I did 42 
gallery shows. That sounds yeah, like a lot. It's absolutely insane. I didn't create a lot of work though, because I didn't have to. All I had to do is to find any possible little art gathering that prized themselves as, hey, submit your work and put it in. The next step after that is rewriting those 42 shows down to like, let's say 20 and making them sound good. Cause you look already professional cause people see that you're committing right over time to what you're doing. So you become trustworthy and you get in front of a lot of people. Um, people know about me in this town. I do not know how, and it's probably still from the time from that year because I don't advertise locally anymore at all because I'm fed up with people, but <laughs> I have, we'll I have embraced being antisocial. <laughs> it goes as far as all my work now has QR codes so you can pay me. <laughs> so I don't have to talk at all. <laughs> it's bad. <laughs> Sorry, I digress. Well, I, I'm wondering if it's possible to get too specific with uh, this generation of our Jane or John Doe, or or more so, would it ever be would it ever be true that there would you would have more than one uh, you know specific target audience persona? Because you know, I'm thinking of like a few possibilities, a few examples of um, niches that might have different types of people different like a lot of like a wide variety of different types of people that would be attracted to it is it worth the time trying to figure out you know like a, a set of five maybe yes and usually that's what you would be doing and you wouldn't not only do that you would do it to location specific audiences as well so uh, that's why, you know, larger companies have whole teams that do their marketing because they spend time on all that research and they have focus groups. Um, your basic strategy, because we don't have a budget, we're starting out. We preferably just do our work and don't do anything else other than those little small steps. And the more you appear in front of people, the more your audience will grow. So after a period of time, you can also create more profiles because you're gathering more information by speaking to those people, be it digitally or physically. Um, so as an example for you, um, let me grab something. Yeah, for sure. And I'll just make a timestamp here so we can cut that part out. Okay, yeah. So I have two completely split audiences. They do not overlap. And I have to market to both of them because I'm doing two things. So I do my typical illustration and shadow boxes that you guys know and love. And this is what I'm marketing because I love doing that. And that's what I want to do for the rest of my life. And, you know, they're fantasy, they're presentational. That hits a very, very small market, especially in Houston. There's an extremely large market here for modernism and for abstract. So something that is pretty to look at, something that is colorful, and something that they 
don't need to explain to their friends, right? So to be able to survive, I have this series. It's the same paper cut that I already do, but non-representational. And that actually has fed me for like two years very well when I could go off on tangents and create like one piece a year of my other work. So for anybody that's listening that, or that isn't going to watch the video, the first piece that you held up was this very beautiful, elegant design of a, was it, was it a fish in the little square that I was looking at? It was very small. Yeah. And, um, suspended in a shadow box. And then the second piece was a, uh, more abstract geometric design, three dimensional of different cubes. So yeah, yeah, you can imagine how those would have very two different or appeal to two very different types of markets. And I actually have been basically running a social experiment in my own studio. Um, I have my studio split in half diagonally. One half is my representational work. The other half is a colorful work. People have blinders on for the opposites of work. They never even notice it. And when they talk to me and I mention that I do different types of work and the work is behind me, they look at me like I'm an alien because they just don't see it it's it's incredibly like amusing and entertaining just <laughs> by the way um moose i do have if you want to i can give you links for both bodies of work if you want split up so. certainly for the show notes yeah we'll uh we'll get those um i want to i want to jump back to there, there's more to go into for like targeting customers and marketing in that way but i, I do want to go back to kind of setting the initial goals for a little bit too because um we we're talking a lot about social media but there it will clarify for me there will be more to it than just posting on social media correct could you clarify the question i'm sorry well in terms of like if i'm thinking of a marketing strategy like i'm i, I again going back to like a beginner who doesn't know very much um, to begin with, it starts out as Instagram posting, but ideally it's going to move into other things. There's other things that I'm going to be want to, that I'm going to want to be doing rather than just like, you know, social media posts, right? Are you talking about local marketing or moving from how to, uh, use the social media basically as a business card, which part? Well, more so how to use uh, online marketing in general effectively above and beyond social media. Because I, 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 unless everything that I am going to be doing is on social media, I'm assuming at some point there's going to be other things that I'm going to want to bring in as part of my marketing strategy as an artist. Is what Are I'm you wondering. talking about ads? I'm, well, I'm, I'm really well. I'm, well, I'm you're, asking. You're going very broad, <laughs> so I'm having a hard time. Yeah, are you talking about a website or what? I I don't yeah. know where you're going with this, Shelby. <laughs> well, that's what I'm asking. Is I I'm asking. I'm I'm not 
making statements, I guess I'm asking, like, if I'm new to this and I don't know what to do, am I just posting on social media all day? Or what's my next, like, what are the other things that I'm going to be want to be doing eventually, aside from just posting on Instagram? So preferably you want to stay off of social media other than posting and interacting with your colleagues. Um, there's a whole course that we can do on community management. It's insane. But um, you want everything to lead to something that is yours. So your I know people love Linktree. I used to use Linktree as well. And it's a third middleman that you don't need. So best would be if you could create yourself a space somewhere, preferably website, because you own it, you own the domain, and there's no way that it can get lost, shut down for some ungodly reason, hacked or similar, right? And you want all your social media and all your outlets to lead to that website and present your welcome page that everybody lands on as your link tree, but make it more engaging. Um, you and I had a talk about this before. So I have redesigned my website over last year, um, basically from ground up. I completely changed the layout um, after I did market research and uh, competition research of what people were doing and how to they increase their sales. <clears throat> and I designed a better flowing presentation. So anything of yours should be leading basically, hi, this is me, this is how I can help you, and this is why you should help me, kind of. Does that make sense? Yes. I feel like I need to go more specific, but when we start going more specific, it's going to be five hours. <laughs> so. Well, I guess it depends on how much more specific. Yeah, we don't want to go five hours, but... If there is more specificity that you want to dig into a little bit more, I, I, I would be open to that just because it is interesting so, to me. Like I kind of like what you opened with, you know, like well, we don't want to spend too much time on social media. That's sort of that's always the thing that people default to. It's just like, okay, well, what am I going to be doing on social media? So that's why I'm curious to know a little bit more about that. So I try to think about my social media as part being actually social. So talking to my colleagues, commenting on their posts and, you know, congratulating them if things go well or keeping up to date with what's happening. But I usually just text them um, and part as a business card. So you know how when you go to an event, you're not going to spend hours standing in the corner looking at everybody else's business card. You're going to try to communicate with them. You're going to try to give out yours so they know who you are. And that is what you should try to do on social media. And I know I myself have this hang up about, um, oh, I hate writing posts and I have nothing to share. And, um, you know, I'm going to be on social media all day. Once I start, there's tools for planning your posts. Um, and, I have colleagues, which I'm just like, I don't know how you do it. Um, they're able to plan six months ahead to post every second, second day. It posts automatically for them. They spend eight hours doing it, and they're free for six months. I'm still figuring out how. 
because I, <laughs> I do not have that much self-control. <laughs> so you're basically giving it just enough insight into your life with your business cards to get them to come back to you and to take them back to somewhere where you can share more important information, right? Where you can share freely, where you don't, where you're not going to be censored because social media has heavy censorship um, and similar. And I lost track of that again. I'm very sorry. No, it's all right. Um, to clarify one thing there, um, it, if I don't have a website, a personal website, one, is that just, is that a sin that I need to uh, clean up as quickly as possible? And two, can I get away without having one? And then what am I doing to make my online presence a little bit more personable and interactive again than, you know, just being like regular Instagram posts? I would get a website as soon as possible. There's only a very, very few people that can survive without a website. And at that point, they are so deep in the art market that you cannot pull them out, right? Um, <clears throat> so I'm going to use a recent example. Um, Molly Kadeen, she does resin pour painted layer artwork, beautiful work. Um, hundreds of thousands of fans. Her work sells out in seconds every time. And her account was doing great, her Instagram account. She did not bother to build any other social media. She did not get a website. And her account got hacked. Her account was not in her possession only three days long. In that time, that person has deleted about four years worth of history that she had saved on Instagram that she thought was safe. So everything that you post on social should be leading and backed up to something that you own again. So because you don't know, tomorrow Instagram might not exist. Twitter might go up in flames, right? Um, TikTok might get what was it censored for the US, right? Like we had that conversation a few months ago. Um, so you should be able to take all your fans with you. So I do from time to time, um, I drop on my Instagram, Twitter, whatever other social, I drop a, hey guys, um, if you truly want to stay in touch with me, come to my newsletter. You will get a maximum of one newsletter once from me that will summarize what I'm up to, that will summarize what is going to happen. It's going to be maybe a five-minute read, if that. But then you don't have to worry to actually engage with me on any of the social media because you're getting the same contact all put together for you and presented to you so it's easily digestible. So um, think about it like if you sign up to the New York Times, you get an email every morning telling you all the news and what happened while you were asleep or yesterday, right? So think about it that way, but small scale. I'm gonna jump in real quick and suggest that if you don't already have a password manager, that you look into Bitwarden. It's a free password manager and uh, it syncs across different devices and has unlimited uh, password, uh, unlimited websites that you could have your password tied to. And it also has a local version. And this is all free, it's open source and uh, 
I've been using it for about two weeks now, and it's easy enough. You just have to remember to hit save after you generate a new password so that it keeps track of that. That's the only lesson I learned the hard way. Um, other than that, uh, Bitwarden. You can try other ones like Dashlane or whatever, but Bitwarden's free and has the features that most of them, most of the other ones have to pay for. So that's why I picked that one. So you don't have to have, worry about uh, being, I don't know, the previous president who had his uh, Twitter account pass, uh, password hacked because it was really easy to remember. So just throwing that in there. Never used one. I would actually be interested to because I'm old school. I have like a little password there, book. There's an app and there's also uh, extensions for both Chrome and Firefox and probably uh, Safari and probably uh, Internet Explorer if anyone wants to use that or Edge, which is now called because that's more cool, I guess. I don't know. So I actually, I'm looking at the chat at the same time I have you guys open and um, I'm so something that Junk Collector just said about your own server, you could go that far. I actually have been looking into um, having a internal network set up here because I do have multiple laptops and whenever I have a helper, um, I usually either let them use another laptop or bring their own and it's been a nightmare to try to keep three different backups synchronized, right? Um, and I know multiple other creative professionals that are full-time here in my building that do have their own servers. They're mostly photographers, but basically their files are safe no matter what. And your client can continuously access those files so you don't run into problems with uh, when you use the, what is that transfer program? Oh God. There's a recent one that has been getting popular that only allows you to access your files for like five days. Otherwise you have to pay. So Snapchat, I don't know. Yeah. Snapchat, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> That's 24 hours. But you could basically, you know, create a backup, backup for everything. So I have even a backup for every single photo that I have posted. Um, on my Instagram. So in case something happens, I can upload and recreate the same account. And if necessary, um, I have C CSV, CSV, yeah, CSV files of my whole newsletter in case just something goes bad there. Um, I have backup of all my data, literally. And it's all sorted in folders and it's all dated by year. So if something happens, it's going to be okay. Um, I've had so far four Instagram accounts. Two of them got deleted. Two of them got deleted by Instagram because I posted a picture of a drawn booby, not the bird, the other one. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> I do not trust them. I do not trust this right. service and they have a censorship because anybody, literally anybody in your following can report you without any grounds for it. And they will take action before they do a review. And if you ask for a review, most of the time you won't get it. They just and they're, they're also sneaky about it, right? Like it used to be they were more blatant about deleting your account, and now they'll just uh, throttle down anyone that can see your account down to like close to zero. Mm-hmm. So I've had, I've had had that happen as well. Um, I've posted. Um, I have a piece called uh, Rusalka, which is mermaid in Russian, and um, she has, or she had before I had to censor it, 
you know, exposed breasts. And Instagram removed all my content from my own hashtags for about a month. That was fun. This is why I generally tell people, I used to be like all in on Instagram because I was able to have some success with it. And now I generally say, if there's another platform you enjoy using, focus on that rather than Instagram. Because Instagram is just too uh, subtle with their rulings and what the rules actually are. They don't tell you what the rules are. So anyway, um, I do have a different uh, question, slightly different uh, topic, Joe, but you just want related that you want to talk about right now? One more time, I'm sorry. There is, but it's not vitally crucial. And okay. All right. Uh, so we were talking about learning from your peers a little bit earlier, like just briefly, like learning uh, about your uh, uh, your target uh, demographic, right? And so there's other people that also will uh, also be reaching out to that target demographic. Like those are like your peers. Those are uh, how. How can you learn from people that are also trying to access the same audience? So you can actually not only learn from them, you can borrow their audience to grow faster, um, which is theoretically what you and I are doing right now with each other. So <clears throat> let's say I'm, I'm just going to use Justin as an example. It's so intrusive. Um, so... As an example, we create cute monster art and we love to draw dragons and that's all we want to do. So what we're going to do is we're going to find the first best person that is high up in the market. So Justin, he does dragons, he does monsters, he's super successful. Justin Gerard, not Justin yes. Donaldson. Yes, Justin Gerard. <laughs> so we are going to look into his whole career path, we are going to become stalkery um, because we probably don't know Justin. We have never talked to Justin. We presuming he's not going to answer our questions because they're intrusive. And we're just going to go back and see everything. We, we Google it, we Bing it, we DuckDuckGo it or whatever else um, to try to get the most information possible. And we look at uh, where has he shown some people go back as 10, 20 years, right? Even on their website, what galleries they have they shown in, uh, what works have sold, what have they historically priced their works at, uh, what do they sell, how does it sell, um, what exactly is it produced on, can we somehow figure out their manufacturers, have they ever mentioned, social media is great for that because people are really, really bad at keeping secrets. Uh, wow, I should not be smiling while saying that. <laughs> So um, let's say we really love how they frame their work and it really lifts up the work and it would lift up our work and elevate it to the same status, right? So we go through and find any post that you see their work framed and at some point they will mention where they framed it or how. And they, then we go from there and we find the framing manufacturer. Uh, same with prints, stickers, um, plushies pins what else is there <laughs> dolls. En enamel pins <laughs> hmm? enamel pins 
Oh, enamel pins. Thank you. Same with enamel pins. And the great thing is because social media is a lot of reposting accounts each other, you should look also at the mentions because the manufacturers will be bragging that they worked with that person. So you just found the manufacturer that you can access. And you just continue from there. Um, you find out any blog that they appeared on, anybody who ever mentioned their work, be it even Tumblr. Um, I have like um, a tab folder on my computer that anytime has mentioned my name. It doesn't matter how small, because all that can be used to our advantage. Um, and you, once you start growing, you start sorting out better. Um, and, you know, <clears throat> you look at who interacts with his, their posts all the time. Um, why do they interact? How do they interact? You can now look at the person that is interacting and actually look at the customer profile for that person. So now we can derive a customer profile for Justin, which we can compare to other, uh, to ours, to refine ours. And from that point, we can go as far as start, this is more predatory, uh, start engaging with his audience. Because if you're talking to someone, there will be a point you will look at their profile. Everybody get, gets curious. That's, by the way, how to get galleries to look at your work if you don't want to go the portfolio route. You start interacting with their posts. You start commenting. And you don't just go like three hearts or, um, I don't know, oh, it's so pretty. Sorry. <laughs> but you go, you know, oh, my God, I really love the blue undertone in the skin tones and how it pulls out the eyes of the character, right? Or I love the narrative or whatever. You will get interaction with that gallery probably within a week and or publisher and or whatever, because you are providing value first. So they want to see, they get curious because you're providing value. So that's how to get on anyone's radar if you guys want to. Um, what else do we have? Um, we have competitors research. Also through that, we see who Justin would be interacting with, right? And what he does and how he interacts. We can from there start on to branch out and uh, look at his colleagues that we didn't know about before. So throughout my last, what, four years of doing the paper cut artwork, and being in my niche, I think I have interacted with every single person that does paper cut or shadow boxes. We all know each other by name and we by now talk to each other. And if there's some sort of marketing question, some new arising trend, we already have communicated it. So that is your goal to get ahead of the market as well, right? So at first you view them as your competition and over time, you preferably will morph if you're doing it right, not only into respected colleagues, but preferably friendship level, because it will benefit you both to use your each other's advantages um, against the market. And another thing is to get your work seen by their audience. If you wanted to take the easier, I go with the easier route a lot of large art accounts, artist accounts, even galleries, they throw contests, giveaways, draw it in your style. That stuff is really popular because it creates a lot of content 
for content for them to engage the audience, the rest of their audience. So they're actually using you to market for them, but you can also use them to market for you. So say you did a draw this in your style, that's really good, or they run a hashtag, Justin runs, um, let's draw monsters, is that correct? Yeah. And he shares that with his full Patreon audience, with his full Instagram audience. You are getting a lot of very, very valuable advertising for free. So anytime somebody basically mentions your name, all that needs to happen is one out of 100 people clicks on it. That's your <laughs> so the first, uh, when you first mentioned uh, using somebody else's audience, the thing that came to mind was either somebody has a really uh, viral post on Twitter or they have a, a post on Instagram and then somebody goes in and says, hey, I'm an artist too. Come look at my stuff. Do not do that. <laughs> <laughs> that, that is the best way to piss off everyone all at once. Um, never, ever, ever, no matter where you are, doesn't matter if it's a convention, if it's another artist's physical show, um, don't go up to someone you do not know and ask them for something first. That is a very pure, sheer way to be the person that calls, cold calls someone and, hi, your car warranty is about to run out. <laughs> you know how pissed off you get when you get those calls or those you know, spam emails you didn't ask? for them to waste, waste your time, yet they're doing it. So your best strategy is, <clears throat> again, I swear to God, this sounds so manipulative, I feel bad talking about it. But um, so I know a lot of end career creators in the fantasy art world like top of the tier. I've met most of them. I had a conversation with them. If they don't remember my name, they remember me as a shadow box lady. That all is on purpose. And I literally will not mention that I am an artist unless they ask. Because they will not remember you if you walk up to their table to their, I'm going to use it table analogy even for Instagram because walking up to the post you're walking up to the table and you go hi I'm an artist look at me you're just pissing them off because they're spending money to be there no matter how and where they're spending effort and money so your best way is to just strike up a conversation genuinely be interested in what they're doing because if you're just trying to approach someone <clears throat> to manipulate them you're not gonna you're not going to win in there. But it's absolutely different if I, you know, um, come up to, I'm going to use Justin and Annie. I'm coming up to their booth and I'm like, hey, do you guys want anything? I'm running errands and I know you're tired, right? I'm just offering value. I don't ask for anything in return. Or if I walk up to their work and start talking about, I love how the techniques you're using would you mind telling me more about that? I'm really interested in that. So you give it, you again, you're giving the value because you're giving them interesting conversation. So at some point, everybody will be like, oh, I use this as well, because that's our nature. <laughs> and that is where you start talking. 
or if they have a beloved pet, you can be like, oh my God, I love dogs too, right? And I don't know, my grandma used to breed dogs or whatever. Whatever applies to your situation, just connect with someone. And once you have that value on the table, it's much more likely that they're even willing to talk to you. It, and it doesn't matter what level... Push talk. Push talk. Oh, Push talk. oh no. How long was it? Uh, only a few seconds. Second. Okay. <laughs> I think my finger relaxed. Um, and it doesn't matter what level of career uh, development you're on. Um, I have talked to large comic book creators and I've talked to James Jean just by being there and just talking to them. And most artists think about it this way. We're all the same. Same James Jean, James Jean wants to show you his sketchbook just as much as you want to show yours. So just look at it, just enjoy it. Everything else will come naturally with that, right? So it's almost like you're talking about making friends. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> How mind blowing is that? How to make friends and be successful. <laughs> making friends okay. and influencing people, right? I think that's an actual book, isn't it? Yeah. It, the, yeah. Well, there's all this is also uh, similar to the advice I was given uh, back when I was looking for a job. My uh, Nana had a friend who was uh, a specialist in finding people work, and I, they had a, um, a, 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 a free talk with him, and he said, basically, you have to talk to people in a way that doesn't let them put their guard up. If you go there asking them for something, like if you say, hey, do you have a job? They're, they're going to say, no, I don't have a job for you, and they're not, not going to go further than that. But if you just talk to them like, oh, yeah, I really like this industry. Um, this interesting seems like it would be a cool place to be. And uh, um, uh, let's say, like, do you have any suggestions, like, uh, what to look for or something like that? For, look, ask them for their thoughts, for their advice, as if they're a sage, rather than asking them to do something for you. Because we all want to be also valuable to other people, right? So it it works to the advantage. So you you basically you're being social and respectful. Um, another thing I wanted to bring up, I fight with so many artists about that. I think it's a waste of everyone's time to send emails to art directors. It's a waste of your time. It's a waste of their time. And I have, I'm not actually joking about it. I'm always on the hunt for information. If you look at back on my bookshelf, I think I have everything, every single art book published about like how to be an artist. I have there, I have read through it. It's all the same knowledge. And there's so many things that I would go like, that's not a good idea. It might have worked before. It does not work now because we have so much more accessibility and noise. It will not work for you. It just won't because um, again, cold calling. Um, I'm gonna do an anonymous example. I, to God, hope they never watch this because they will recognize it instantly. <sighs> so I write my emails very professionally. I, from the start, make clear what value I can bring to the table, what can be expected from me, 
what I would be expecting from them and how our partnership would work. I'm not looking for someone to hire them, even to hire me, even so they're paying me. I'm telling them, this is our partnership. This is how it's going to help you. So, and I've always thought like, oh, my emails must be terrible. I must not be professional enough. So I've been hunting for how to write emails to our directors. And I had a colleague share with me um, writing material from a paid course from someone high up in the industry. It's bad. <laughs> that's, that's the only thing that I can conclude. So, you know, apparently, and I did not realize that most artists just go, hey, I'm Jane, look, work, link. Like, guys, <laughs> come on. <laughs> you, you, you spend more time talking to a cashier than you spend writing an email to someone who you want to work with for a long period of time, right? Of course, they're not going to hire you. You're the car salesman that advertising warranty to them. They don't want that. They have a hundred, if not a thousand more emails like yours the same day, probably. That would go straight into the trash. That will go straight into the trash with me. Like there's emails that I get from people where they are disrespectful of my time. Even if it's a commission, I just trash them. I don't care because I already know you are not respecting my work enough to actually look for the damn answer that's blatantly in front of you on my website. Why I would think, I talk to you? <laughs> in that case, I think there's some people that just uh, want to ask you a question to have some kind of opening to it rather than uh, just coming in and saying, hey, I already know everything. Here's what you need to know and I will pay you the money. They're trying to start up conversation that's just my thought it would be much better to approach someone with like hi i read on your website that you do this and this but you didn't mention this and this is my question would you clarify that is much better opening because you again you're providing value because you already did your research so obviously you're actually interested um and so on and so forth. Like whenever I write an email to someone I want to work with. Push talk. Why does it keep turning off? <laughs> Maybe it has a time limit. I don't know. Apparently I'm talking too much. Um, where, where did it cut off? Just a few seconds ago. Don't worry about it. Um, so. And I noticed Ellie mentioning in chat brief emails. You can be brief, provide value, be informative, and ask them for something in the same moment. So I never go, hey, hire me. I go, hi, you already work with my colleagues, so-and-so. I would be interested in similar projects. Please keep me in mind for this. It's usually a little better phrase than more elaborate. And I follow to the T to the guidelines. But then again, that rarely works. So if you truly, really, really want someone's attention, how about impressing them? How about doing something that is not only providing value, but is unexpected? And don't streak in front of the house. That's ridiculous. 
I don't know why that went through my head, but it just did. So <laughs> um, I actually had a recent conversation with someone about this. They send out emails to our directors every three months. And they've been advised by one of the art directors to do that. And while that art director might like that, they still haven't gotten a job. They've been doing that for four years. They still don't work for anyone. <laughs> How could we approach that creatively? How could we cut through all the noise of everyone else sending them? <laughs> I see a lot of little stars in chat. Sending them... <clears throat> our work to enjoy so they remember us, not asking them to hire us. Uh, so I will give you an example from me working with the gallery. I follow everyone I want to work with on social media. I interact with them. Um, one quick example is there's a museum director that really loves handmade mugs. I love handmade mugs. My God, it's a match made in heaven. We spend, I think, three days talking about handmade mugs. But you know what? She knows my artwork now. And she won't forget my artwork because it's connected to a pleasant conversation. Another example is gallery owner. I wanted to work with a gallery really, really badly. They are much higher tier than what I have worked with. They do not have a submission process. Anytime somebody asks them on social media, do you take submissions? The answer is a nice, it's going to go in the trash, don't bother. <laughs> so there was a live broadcast at some point that the director of the gallery did. And I made sure to tune into every one of them because I needed to work with them. That was my goal. And he mentioned, somebody asked in chat, hey, how do I get my work in with you? And he just go like, guys, stop wasting my time unless you're bringing me this pastry and this coffee. And I'm like, ha, ha, ha. <laughs> he just told me how to approach him. So, but they're in a different city. So how do I present my work without being there physically? Not waste the time and create a good emotional connection without actually being there. So I prepared a portfolio. I packed my portfolio as removable prints, right? So they could keep it, they could hang it, they could give it with friends. A little thank you note. And I wrapped it up like you would wrap up expensive lingerie with a pretty paper, with a bows. It was a gift. It had a fucking seal on top out of wax. It had a little personal note. Then I sent it to courier. And then I made that courier deliver it with a damn coffee and a box of those pastries. I was working with them in two months. Unfortunately, like in my case, with my luck, that would arrive at like 7 p.m. And they're like, I'm not drinking coffee at 7 p.m. What, what kind of crazy person sends me coffee at 7 p.m.? <laughs> oh, that's why you get a courier. They deliver exactly when you tell them to deliver. <laughs> Uber eats some muffins. Shane, believe me or not, I have done that. <laughs> I have done that before with already gallerists I've worked with. And they're like, oh, my God, I could kill for coffee, but I can't leave. I'll just read them a coffee because you know what? Those $10 spend will pay off long-term so much more to you. You can't even imagine because you know, the $2 on the coffee and $8 on delivery are worth nothing in the, against the value you're getting long-term. 
So I want to go back to the art director thing real quick, you know, as far as like just not emailing them, um, there might not be the opportunity to get this creative with every art director. So in lieu of not emailing anymore, how am I supposed to get my work in front of art directors so that I can still get jobs? So this was an extreme example. And as we talked about it before, think about interacting with them. Social media gives you, we have never had as much power in our hands as artists and they have been almost non-existent gatekeeping in the art world as it is right now. You have access to every single member of the art collective through some sort of social media. They are on one of them. And all you have to find out is where they are, what they're interested in, and how you can talk about that subject. It doesn't even have to be, like, sorry, it doesn't even have to be that uh, art director, right? You can uh, talk, be friends, become friends with the people that they work for or work with. Yes, but that becomes a lot to ask. So um, I've had people before that come to me thinking that I will recommend them, but they're not really trying to actually be a better artist. They just want something, right? So, and I have recommended other artists. I'm like, oh my God, this is an amazing artist. How does nobody know about them? Hey, gallerists, look at what I just found. We all share that kind of stuff. Um, it's far less likely that you can go to someone and be like, uh, you work for magic. Um, can you send my portfolio? Like that, well, not off the bat, but we were talking about like uh, going in and like actually making friends, right? So it's like I make a friend today with Tyler Walpole, and then tomorrow I say, hey, can you send my uh, portfolio to all the people that you work for? No, that, that's not how it works. Like, yeah. I, well, maybe he has a Twitch channel. Maybe he does. I don't think he does, but maybe he does. And I hang out there for six months. And then after six months, I say, hey, uh, this thing is open. Did you used to work for these people? That's a bit better. I would try to just, again, sounds intrusive, insert myself into the friend circles because people interact. The longer they work together, the more they become friends too. So at some point, at some event, online or physical, that art director will be there. All you need to do is to strike up a conversation. Um, where was I going? I'm sorry. Trent lost track again. Well, that's because I derailed you talking about uh, friends of art directors rather than uh, the actual art directors themselves. Well, if I can interject something real quick, I, I, it might help us to maybe even think about it just as like, you know, making relationships. And then, and then we don't even, we don't have to think about it in any sort of like calculating sort of way in terms of, well, what's the next step after I'm friends with them? Because if you're just making friends with people, it's almost like any con like anything that happens after that is just going to happen naturally by way of you just being friends with people. And so it's that's almost kind of like the takeaway that I'm getting, correct or add on to this as, yes. as you may. But the right. takeaway that I'm getting from this is just like cultivate relationships, full stop. And then the more that yes. you do that, the less that you're going to have to think, even think about any other questions. Or like... Yep. Um, as long as you bring value to the community 
and the people around you without asking for value first, they will offer you value in return automatically. So um, I don't think I've ever went in my life like, oh my God, guys, I'm in a bad place, help me. Because I don't have to do that because people are invested in me because I'm invested in them. So they see if something is off and they offer help automatically. Make sense? Yeah, totally. So participating in the community is important and you can be as antisocial as you want. There's still ways, there's still ways to do it that appeals to your personality type, right? Um, and we were talking about the emails. I want to go back to that. So <laughs> I don't know why there's such little, well, minuscule amount of education and why it's still so romanticized for the artists. Like we made magical creatures who, I don't know, skip through the field and ideas come automatically to us and our careers just happen because of luck. It's not luck. You just did the right steps and you completely can track what those steps are. So, <clears throat> and you can actually see them faster once you track your progress, uh, however you decide to chart it. So, <clears throat> um, a lot of, look at other creative fields. We are a huge sector. We make up what 5.4% of the, um, gross product in the United States, it's billions of dollars. There's enough money for everyone. Nobody has to starve. And <clears throat> look at theaters, look how they run things. Look at actors, look at um, your graphic designers, even the basic people, like I, I'm taking that back. Not gonna say basic, um, even, you know, logo designers or type designers or packaging designers, everything around you is done by an artist, right? An artist designed my computer to look the way it does. So learn from other industries and how they approach things because there's a lack of information, specifically fine arts, fantasy arts, comic book, etc. It seems that somehow, somewhere a trend started that we're not sharing our incomes, which is really, really bad because we cannot compare markets because then we cannot raise prices because then we cannot price ourselves properly. This is how you get people charging $10 for commission. Uh, we cannot compare marketing strategies because that somehow became a no-no, which we really need to break because what works for one will work for the other. And then you can compare and adjust the other. <clears throat> and um, there's tons of services for you to if you want to pay a small amount, as small as $60 a month to have access to the art directors <laughs> directly through email, that's all existent, but nobody knows about them. There's agencies that will represent you. And I'm not talking the typical agent I want to get in there. I'm talking large agencies where you pay a marketing fee and they can range anywhere from a few hundred to a few thousand, depending on what you're looking for but that will come in return to you one and a half to two times, if not more, because those are people already established in the market that know who to target that you don't have access to and they're trusted already. 
So if you pay them, they are vetting you to suggest you. So since I don't know these things, I'm going to ask you for specifics. Like what is the uh, $60 a month for access to the uh, art directors? And what is the marketing stuff? You don't have to have it right now if you don't have it available, but you know, just, you're also not on push talk. Ah, <laughs> um, I can pull it up. Oh, unless I was pushing to talk. One sec. Sure. Uh, we also do have a follow-up question that I'll ask while you're typing that, and you can kind of passively hear it while you're doing your searching. Um, what are some ways to chart your progress? I know this is something that you had touched on in your lengthy document, so we can get on that as soon as you are ready and able. So um, I dropped the address there. So this is marketing agency um, that people are directors, other artists, uh, movie directors, large companies, etc. They provide the email address to you and they tell them what exactly they want to see and you can pay them to get access to it. I'm sorry. And the, they charge so less. The, huh? art, the art directors are telling this service what they want to see. Yep. And the service will send your work to exactly the people that want your work. And if you are looking for an artist who specializes in manufacturing, because guess what? None of the big artists that do the installations, public installations, none of them actually produce all that stuff. It's another artist team that does that. You can get introduced. Um, another avenue to look at, and I have discovered, we'll get back to the question if you ask. Um, <clears throat> I have been mystified for three years, excuse my language, how the F to get into a museum. And I have looked at every avenue and fought every single battle I could find, and I could not get there. And then I just asked, asked a colleague who had a museum show in Sweden, and I'm like, how in the world did you get there? She goes like, oh, I'm part of Creative Collective. It's only like $60 a year. They send you. It's specialized for paper artists worldwide. They will send you a monthly newsletter so you don't have to weed through the damn art calls. You don't have to look for that. They will send you which museum is looking for artwork on paper. There's the same thing for children's book illustration. There's the same thing for your monsters and dragons. There is the same thing for God knows landscape. I, I don't know everything. Everything has someone who is providing information to you for a low amount. So, and you know, you still have to go some of the leg, do some of the legwork, but how in the world would I have ever known that somewhere in Poland, Spain and Germany, I probably should have known that one. There's museums specializing in cut paper art. I would have never found that out because I tried for three years and I didn't. And they sent me within, I paid my dues, I think two months ago. It has eliminated 95% of my work. It's amazing. My mind is absolutely blown because they just give me a list and it's direct link and it tells me exactly what I need to submit. And I just put it in and I send it off. It takes me now less than a 
half a workday, like four, maybe six hours to cover every single article I could ever need to apply to. And that's just that's just that yodelist.com that you... I'm, no, I am part of the, oh God, International Paper Artists IAPMA. But something that's a specific example for just the paper artists and mm -hmm. you'd have to go, people would have to go looking for the uh, alternatives, whether it's like a fantasy creature or a uh, creepy and cute. Alternates if you want to, because you come across that when you do research, because I kind of fit into a bunch of niches, but not quite in either. Sure. We can put those in the show so, notes. Yeah. You don't yeah. have to go through them right now, but definitely like after the show, I'll want to follow up and get more information on that. Cause one, cause one thing I'm wondering too is, you know, what, what, what would I be searching for to find a list like that, like this? Be creative. <laughs> yeah. I'm just trying to think. That, of like that is like the whole stuff. point of you being an artist. You need to think creatively in everything. The second that you have, the second that you have, um, something where you go, Oh, I don't know how to approach it. Make your instinct kick in and think about every avenue you could go around it. So instead, I know that a lot of people, I actually had that conversation in the, in its public, if you go to the Rusty Skillet Discord, uh, somebody was starting to try to start a company, basically not being an illustration agency, not being an agent and having illustrators. And it sounded beautiful when they posted it. And then I go like, what's your exact business plan? How are you getting value out of this? Is this a client-based model? Is it an illustrator-based model? How are you reading illustrators? And I just started asking questions, and all of a sudden it fell apart, right? Where the first thing, and it's it's a noble cause, don't get me wrong. What he's trying to start is a good thing that he's trying to start, but he doesn't know what he's doing because he did not know about all the services already offered. Because I basically post him the same thing, like, what makes you different from everyone else? Because I can pay $60 and get all the value you're trying to, for me to go through extra steps for. Why would I spend my time and waste my time on something that I don't know what the goal is? Does that make sense? I've gotten, because how long my work takes, I gotten extremely precious about my time. <laughs> so, <laughs> Like, I, I don't have, I'm sorry, I don't have five minutes to waste talking to you if you cannot respect my work and my time. I just, I just won't. I and here we away. are wasting two hours of your time. Oh, no, I love you guys. <laughs> I love Twitch. It's an amazing platform. It has been a godsend the last year and a half. Absolute godsend. Yeah, so this, this is where we talk about uh, Twitch being the place to make friends and then network even passively just because you're making friends. And then some of those friends happen to be, I don't know, Evan Mel Amundsen, and he knows people. And maybe that goes to somewhere. Maybe it doesn't. Maybe you just happen to have freaking Evan Mel Amundsen knowing your name, or at least your screen name. And that's pretty cool. I, I also love that, like, right as the Twitch concept came up, there was a alert notification sound that went off. I don't even know who's... <laughs> that was but. i have you open in the background i think oh no my obs is open oops sorry that was i know uh, it's fine it was just like perfect timing 
thank you to whoever's follow that was <laughs> on behalf of whoever you followed. I don't even know. Um, but um, I, I we've so Twitch actually. I'm going to interrupt real quick. Twitch is ahead. the best example of boring audiences. It's incredible at that. Boring? Did you say? Borrowing. Oh. Borrowing. So they're also pretty boring audiences <laughs> if they're not very talkative. It's fine. There's that. But um, so I love my friends. Don't get me wrong. Everybody that I've made friends on Twitch with, and I try to be very political about who I raid and things like that. And I try to hit everyone to make sure that it's fair, right? So I'm not just a consuming parasite. And um, think about it this way, like you already admire someone's work, you're engaging, you are looking in their work, you're participating in the chat. So the audience already knows you. So now if you are in streamer, you can raid. And most creatives will ask you like, oh, you're an artist. If you ask the right questions, if you are in, ever in my chat and you see some people talking about artwork or asking me specific questions, I go like, oh, you must be an artist. Do you want to share your work? Like, it doesn't matter. Like, whatever you have to share, just share it. Because now you're putting it out there. You're doing the boring, the audience. You're doing the marketing. And whenever you, if you're streaming, whenever you're raiding, if you are going towards a friend with the most viewers, you just borrowed however many viewers they have by raiding them. Just that little act of the 20 minutes of interaction after the raid is absolute gold because you and, are not constrained by algorithms here. And for non-streamers, you can still get value out of Twitch by being a viewer. Because uh, for, for those who don't know, there's not a whole lot worse than having nobody active in your chat. So if you just go in there and talk to somebody, when there, it's a... When it's a slow night, it's a slow night. And there's not a lot of conversation going on, and there's somebody talking to you. It's a godsend. They're like, "Oh, thank God, this next half hour isn't going to be so lonely." And me looking over and looking at the the chat log to see that it hasn't moved yet. That sounds so sad, Moose. <laughs> this is my own personal experience uh, when I tried streaming in 2013. It's fine, um, but the even if they have some people talking in chat, one more person that keeps the ball rolling. And there's one more person for them to talk to, one more person for them to know. So you, you can still, quote unquote, get something out of it by giving something. And that, is, that something can just be being you being a person. Just saying. I fully agreed. I've actually, I've made amazing freaking friends. And, you know, a lot of people will start concentrating, like, I want to be partner. I want a big audience. I want hundreds of people watching me. Do you? Do you really? I don't. I want $10,000 an hour, but I don't want that. I think that's might be impossible, but no, that's uh, at the low end of uh, sponsored streams. I'm sorry. What? <laughs> $10,000 an hour is the low end for sponsored no. stream on Twitch. If you have over a thousand viewers and $10,000 per hour was the rate in 2015. What it is now is probably what? much higher. Yeah. I did if not you, know if that. If you have over a thousand viewers, I don't, I don't think any artist is going to be getting that. Anytime well, soon. maybe uh, we'll see uh, Dave Greco in that area soon. But he doesn't need the money. He dead. <laughs> Rip Bob Ross. Rip Devil. Uh, so, um, oh, go ahead. Um, oh God, I lost track. Let's try again. We were talking about the stream. Um, we were talking about 
burn value. Yeah. Value of audiences, just being there, interacting with them. Um, you know, <clears throat> I've made amazing friends being on Twitch that are other creatives that don't want to be full-time artists. They just love drawing and I suck at my community management. I try my best, but I, I just can't split myself in 10. Um, and you know, I, I see every single post they post in my discord and things like that. And I do, I appreciate it. Everything gets viewed by me. Um, and I love it. And if they ask for advice, I try to give it as probably it's usually late, but I try to give it. <laughs> and, um, just the value of the human relationships that I have gotten out of Twitch, just being able to connect and talk about problems and um, be human. I think it actually far outweighs the marketing benefit of this platform. Like I, I love it. I don't want to get off my streams when I'm on them. <laughs> this is how we get 24 hour streams because I don't want to leave. <laughs> so. 24 hour streams aren't healthy though. I just want to throw it out there. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. A friend of mine, uh, he used to be a streamer on Twitch, Geek Domo. He actually had to go to the hospital because he uh, tried doing too much streaming and ended up uh, racking his system, you know, holding, going back to the bath, going to the bathroom. You know, uh, okay, don't don't do that. And uh, <laughs> reducing the amount of food he eats just so oh, that God. he can cram it into his system over a short period of time. He you know, he 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 made partner, uh, not not Domo Staten, uh, Domo Stan. It's a Domo Geek Domo. He was a EverQuest streamer back in the day. It's not worth it. Don't do that. No, yeah, I, I have sleeping problems, so I genuinely like with my ADHD. It's a great platform because sometimes I just don't have to do any normal functions, human functions, and I would not be sleeping either way. So I might as well not sleep and have fun. That sounds really weird. <laughs> I mean, if you already are facing insomnia, I guess there's worse ways to spend your time than look at the ceiling and, uh, you know, or streaming on Twitch. And over time, you know, it's incredibly hard to keep up a persona or an image. And it's gotten to the point, like, I'm on stream. You guys know what you're getting into. If I'm hungry, I'm going to stuff my face and it's not going to be pretty. <laughs> I give this, up is why you don't have to, this is why you don't have 10,000 viewers. They just don't know about it yet. <laughs> that could be true. Um, you know, then again, with a, that's, I think, was my main point that I was trying to make. Like, 10,000 viewers don't matter. All you need is 100 maximum of fans that want to be there and want to support you because... What is the point of having 10,000 people if 99.9% .9 of them don't give a shit? They're there because it's a hype. Um, now, if you have even you know 30 people that are invested into your career, that always come back, that follow, that give advice, that ask you questions, that has so much more value down the road, um, it, it pays off much, much better. Like if we're talking just marketing and actual monetary terms, it is worth far, far more than 10,000 people clogging up the system, right? So, and I try to think of it in the ways of like, if 30 people were in here right now, I would have an anxiety attack. That is a lot of people. <laughs> you would have COVID right now. 
Well, that too. <laughs> <laughs> also unhealthy. Uh, oh, we want to throw back to the uh, question about keeping track of your progress. So how do you track uh, your, whether it's analytics or, because websites will let you help, help you track your analytics, whether it's Google Analytics or website analytics for shop. But um, what about like in-person sales? How do you keep track of how much you're, how good you're doing in person if we ever get back to that point? So <clears throat> that actually is where I look at larger companies. So, and I caught onto that trick from being at conventions and being at other events um, because you cannot gauge how good an event is no matter what profit you make if you don't know your conver conversion rate. So it doesn't give you anything if there's 100,000 people but there's only 10 people interested and only one does a big buy because that is luck. That is not actually, the audience is not that interested in you. Um, so if you look at large booths of companies like T-Mobile or there's usually some car insurance there um, or whoever is doing some sort of advertising. Usually they, they're, you know, they're people with clipboards and like, would you like to take a survey? Here's a free koozie or, you know, I don't know, phone case or here, give us your email address so we can send you shit about your car warranty. Um, you will see someone, one of the people that are there holding a counter and you will see people counting the engagement how many people actually come to the booth and you should be doing that too and i know a lot of us have you know social anxiety and we end up drinking at social events etc cetera, etc cetera. um i think that's a really bad thing you need to learn how to control your anxiety and preferably go to therapy if you can um, because imagine if you went to your doctor's office and your doctor is drunk because he's afraid to talk to you, you would never go that back there. Now, would you, what are you talking about? I'd, I'd be there all the time. Like, come on, doc, let's do this. <laughs> My dentist is just drunk. No. <laughs> uh, I think this is a little shop of horrors, isn't it? <laughs> that, that's how you get artistic dentistry. <laughs> um, so whenever I have in-person events, because I'm too cheap to invest into an actual laser tracker on my door, um, I have a clicker in my hand or by my pocket somewhere. You can, you can see the zip tie on it. It's usually hanging from somewhere where it's easily accessible. It doesn't take me anything to do a click every time somebody looks at my work. I'm paying attention and I'm also looking what they're looking at. So I can gauge which products to take off the market down the road too because they're not selling, because I have prints that are super popular and they sell out. And then I have prints that the full run is still sitting here. There's zero interest, zero. And it's completely random most of the time. So <clears throat> yeah, count you know, wherever engages with stuff. How do you know how much time to give an observation like that? Because maybe it doesn't do good one week, then it does good another week, then and there's like some fluctuation. I would check in months to month and you would see growth over time. Now, I brought up conventions as in person because they're large scale 
And you can, usually the conventions tell you how many attendees were there. So you can deduct your stuff out there. Then you would calculate, which all of you guys should know that, how much does it actually cost you every day to do your art? Because your electricity, your computer programs, your computer and the aging of it, your studio space by square foot if necessary, um, everything that you're paying money for passively every day, you should know how much it costs you. And you would calculate from there how much each event costs you in your time, in your daily running cost, in an actual event cost. Because people, it's hilarious to me in a really, really bad way when I see people going about, oh my God, this convention was amazing. I made $20,000. And I'm just like, well, how long was your preparation time? How, <laughs> how much did your merchandise cost? How much did your daily running cost was your running cost? How much time will you have to take off after said event? Um, how long did you spend restocking beforehand and creating the products? Um, how much did you pay for your travel? Every single of those dollars you should figure out because it is important because making 20,000 is absolute bullshit if your expenses are 19,000 of it, right? You made a thousand. That is not worth your time. That is not worth weeks of work because you barely covered your cost. Um, other than that, with baselines, <clears throat> um, create a metric for yourself. So um, when I started, I grew at a certain rate on my Instagram. I'm using online media. Um, so I wrote that down. My baseline is, you know, I want to have 200 followers a month, new followers. That's about average. And that is what has been happening. So it's been growing steadily. So I'm doing something correct. If that number drops, I look, what did I do? What did I do different this month? And how do I fix it to get back to that rate or higher? If I go higher, beautiful. I need to continue doing what I'm doing to keep going, right? So, um, and I would check in marketing plans. I usually created uh, yearly and you adjust throughout. So you pivot the second that you see something not working. So I uh, check with my data in about once a month. I have an administratory day where I just deal with business bullshit. I hate them. I hate those days. They're not fun. But you know what? They have created for me a possibility to be sustainable and to explore my craft. I, I'm a sole um, provider for my household, right? So I, I don't have a husband that has a job. I don't, I don't have any of that. I have been paying for everything I do myself and from my work. So I'm doing something right, I would say. <laughs> so I do have a question here. Uh it doesn't matter who I'm talking to, whether it's uh, Blake with his Omen Shard stuff or Pinky with her Boogaboos uh, or Steve Sketches with his Elteria stuff it, or Cave Geek with his maps. It doesn't really matter because they'll all come up with a very similar explanation for why they're not doing any of this. They don't know how to juggle all of this, different things that they have to do all the time along with their you know, their families or their dog that outweighs them by 80 pounds or, uh, you know, 
trying to survive with you know no income this year. So how do you keep track of all of this stuff and actually be productive in your marketing journey? You force yourself to be productive. You need to realize that while we all immensely enjoy art, and I'm really bad at breaking my own schedule too, and you will not get amazing at it from today to tomorrow. So start with small steps. Organize your life. The more organized you are, the easier it will get and the faster you will be. So <clears throat> um, I have, so all the writing that I have to do, examples. And I've learned that from the scientific community. You start writing, that's your template. Next time you have to write something that ha you have to talk about yourself, you already have a copy of something. So you write from that. So now you have a copy and you actually, you keep all the text. I keep even all the emails. I have a monthly Word document where every email is answered and each of them has a tag. Was it a commission request? Was it a uh, payment plan request? Was it a general interview request? All of those start overlapping at some point. So now, oh look, I have to answer an email. Oh look, they're asking the same thing. I change out the name, that is it. You get super fast at it. I can give you a detailed commission rundown in like five minutes work because I already have all that prepped. I just take pieces of text and I switch out the name. And same with your bio and same with your website descriptions, same with your Patreon descriptions, same with your newsletter. Just build upon what you already have. Don't go like, oh no, oh my God, I have to make it perfect right away or something horrible will happen uh, because then you're just never going to start. And another thing is um, <clears throat> I've been trying like 2020 and 2021. It's been hard. It's been horrible because a lot of my things are direct marketing. So me being there, I'm personable. I like to talk, as you guys can see. Um that's how a lot of my sales happen. So for me, 90% of my income fell away. So I've been trying to find different news and just... Finger slipped. Uh, <sighs> You're back. I'll... It was just a moment. Okay. Um, so I've been trying to use the time productively. And... Um, my example, I won't call out by name, but dear friend assisted me for a long while. The second that the lockdown started, it's, it's hard, all of a sudden no income. And I'm looking at it as, okay, I have about three months of money that I can perfectly live on. Let's see how far we can stretch it by cutting our budget. Oh, I can stretch it to six months? Great. Let's do that because now all of a sudden I have six months of every day, 12 hours to do whatever the fuck I want. So I've created the biggest piece that I would never have time to attempt. I researched marketing. I researched like further. I researched SEO. I researched animation. I got into coding. Um, I use the time to upgrade myself and upgrade my skills that was all of a sudden given to me because I didn't have to prepare for conventions. 
I didn't have to prepare products because I still had products backlog from last year. Um, I didn't have to do the socializing. I didn't have to go to collectors events. I didn't have to do any of it. It was like, it's, it's, it was hard. It was, it's still a lot of depression and anxiety and everything in between. Um, but I also started and I learned that actually from um, Kyle. He is a mod in my chat, a dear friend. He's good at doing to-do lists and um, I'm really terrible with ADHD. So I started doing the column method. So ABC or now um, later sometime, something like that. Um, a is your, this needs to be done now. You don't have any excuses. Just sit down and do it. And if you have excuses, figure out why. Um, B is the, I want to do this this year. At some point, this is what needs to happen. And C column is one day when I have time. So one day when I have time, I want to publish a pop-up book. Maybe even a gigantic one. How do I achieve it? Well, means this year I should do at least one step towards it. I should design one page. That's all it takes. Okay, so what do I have to do now? Hmm, well, I've never done a pop-up book. Let's see if there's information available on how to make those. Oh, look, there's a $10 course from one of the masters of paper engineering. I'm going to start that with, you know, the hour a week that I can allocate to it. That still means like in 20 weeks, I'm going to be able to make a pop-up book. And I will have one page in this year. And five years down the road, I will have my book, right? So long-term planning and allocating time. And <clears throat> I'm not good at it myself. I still break, as I said, my plan on it. Um, don't beat yourself up. Just continue. Important is to continue because it gets easier every time. So I have three calendars. I have here. This one is always on my desk, right? It's color-coded. Those are all the dates that artwork is needs to go out. Um, and yellow is newsletter. This is when the newsletter has to publish. Uh, the orange ones are publishing the first post of the month for Patreon, which is a poll for the print, right? On the 15th, my newsletter is going out after the poll has finished because I will release one of the prints in a larger version on my website. Uh, then, you know, um, each of the galleries has a different color as well. And I can add to this. And I specifically pre-plan deadlines about a week ahead than they do. <clears throat> And at first you scramble and over time it gets easier because if a disaster happens, say what week ago, the freeze or a hurricane, or you get sick, you just give yourself a weak buffer. You are still not scrambling. You are still on time. And once your calendar fills up, cause you should know how long it takes you to do work. Uh, say no, people will respect you more. Say, I would love to work with you no matter how big the opportunity. I would love to work with you. I currently do not have time. This is my next availability. Are you still interested? Most of the time, people will wait and say yes. I have people waiting on commissions for me for three years just to give them a slot. 
and I update them throughout. Like, I'm sorry, I'm all booked, but I keep you in mind. So it, it works. And then, you know, that's one of them. Then down below, there's a weekly breakdown <laughs> of what needs to be done. And then I have a really little crappy book that I carry around. And this is my, today I have to do this no matter what. And this page is complete disaster because I spilled a bunch of stuff on it. Um, but on the other side is like, this needs to get done this week. And the faster I do it, the more time I have to do anything else. That means if I am finished, if I can knock it out in one day, means I have six extra days to either commit to a personal project, more artwork, and or similar. And it makes me over time be on not only on time, it creates my schedule as well. Right? And that doesn't mean you have to wake up at like crack of dawn. If you <clears throat> I know more than enough and career artists that are awake till 4 a.m. They don't get up till 12. They start their day at 1 p.m. So you're still having a full work day without have, having to, you know, not follow your biological schedule because I prefer to be awake at nights. So. Final question before we do move to the wrap up stuff, which I think Joby is going to want to do because we're getting towards the end of the, the time. Uh, you can't leave Joby. You can't. How, uh, how detailed do you get with your scheduling like on the daily basis? Do you actually schedule in time to pay, play with your uh, pets or is it just the absolute necessity? This is the things I have to do work related today. If you need to do that for yourself, do it. If you need to plan in your bathroom breaks, do it. Whatever you need is. Get as detailed as you want. I like to write the document, the 10 page documents yesterday for you guys. I allocated time, how much I spend on each column. And I had to move on. Time was over. Set yourself, set yourself egg timers if you want, or get one of those Google thingies, Google Home or, or whatever counter, whatever can alert you, um, especially if you like me and you ADHD. It helps amazingly if your phone just yells at you every 15, 15 minutes. Because in case you go off of track, you only wasted 15 minutes, not four hours. So, and it gets easier and easier and easier as you keep going. Like it was an absolute nightmare <laughs> four years ago. <laughs> now I don't have a problem with it. Like um, I broke it down, you know, I need to get a short bio for you. Next step, okay, cool. Picture, okay, cool. Next step, social accounts, cool. Organize social accounts, cool. Put it in a document, done. Sent. Oh, look, I'm done with a full task. So, yeah, I, I go that far. Like, for me to look at emails, I have to write down look at email, answer email, <laughs> sent off email. Because <laughs> I will. I will leave them on leave them on read and think like I will answer in five minutes. I just need to do one more thing, and it never happens. It will just not happen because I will forget and I get busy with something else. So you had written up a ten-page document. Was there anything else that you absolutely think was crucial that we did not cover, 
and that we need to cover now before we get to your Skillshare class. Can we cover it next time? <laughs> That's that, that, that would be my follow-up question yes. to your follow-up question. Like, rather than digging in onto something new, can I call an artificial stop to this? Not to be a not to course, be an ass yeah. not to be an asshole and not even just because, that you are no okay. Not even because I'm like particularly crunched for time, but just because the, the we didn't we didn't we like I don't know, we got to like two thirds of the questions that we had <laughs> we had planned. Um and none of this is a bad thing. Um but rather than trying to squeeze in something new. I would like to leave as much expansion as we want for the next time that you're going to be on and definitely like plan that sooner than later. That yeah, of right? course. If you don't stop me, I just keep talking. I allocated the whole day. And like I said, <laughs> I'm like I said, I'm not mad about it at all. Um, but yeah, um, definitely, I also want to offer people if they have questions that they cannot wait about or they want answered to send it to me. Do not do it on Twitch. I do not know how to check those messages, but do it on like, I don't know. What about in the chat room while you're streaming? Is that a good place to talk to you? Yeah, that's always great. And um, if you ask a question, I'll also write it down so I can answer, especially if it's a recurring question, so I can add it to my FAQ and make it easily accessible. Well, that was going to be one of our last wrapping up questions is where would you like people to find you? Um. I'm pretty good about posting on Instagram. I freaking love TikTok. Um, I'm still, I only started on TikTok, so I'm still figuring it out. Um, and I'm on Twitch, so just type in my name, find me. Well, and if all you of your want. links will be in the, all of your links will be in the show notes as well. And if anybody has any questions, please ask at any time. And whatever I have miss, missed, please just repeat it until I get it, so. Well, just our last last question, Daria, aside from career and art projects, what's one thing that's happening in the world right now that you're excited about? It's going to be cliche. Vaccine. I want that vaccine. I don't care which one. I want all of them. <laughs> <laughs> Quickly. Because I really want conventions back. I miss my art family. Give me all of them. <laughs> Nah, amen to that. Um, I'm right there with you. Um, well, cool. Let's um, let's put a pin in it there, and we'll be in touch soon for scheduling the next time. That if you're into it, if you want to come on I'm, again and, and talk I'm more about this. all this stuff, awesome, I, cool. I and, get to bother you guys. This is amazing. <laughs> yeah, no, it's great. We and we should also allocate some time too to like talk more about your art and the process and your materials because there's God, there's a whole. Oh, litany of things to discuss there too it's just start. we didn't even we didn't even talk about that at all but um but for now uh i will wave goodbye to you and hit end on the recording See you guys.